0: peoples. Hi, uh, this is Charlotte Pierce. I'm the producer of Common Earth. And I'm here with my author, uh, and Nepalese conservationist, um, Manoj Gautam. Hi, how are you?
1: Hi there. I'm good, good. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: You're in the uh, remote to us uh, city of Kathmandu, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm at at the base base recently. out in the
0: field. Yeah, so we've we've started this um, Common Earth podcast to talk about topics like rewilding. I think some people are on live uh, on our destination live stream destinations to to hear about that. But I think a a lot of people maybe in the West and maybe around you don't know what rewilding is. Um, and could, why don't we just define that? Oh, first of all, let's let's go over a little bit of your background and what brings you to this topic.
1: Tell me a little bit about
0: who you are.
1: <laughs> um, well, I have been um, I've been a, an animal guy primarily, as mm-hmm. uh, long as I can and can remember. Mm-hmm. So, coming from uh, you know a remote place in Nepal and uh, from the Midwest a little town called Gorai and Dang. And uh, yeah so basically I grew up in a very you know natural setup. We pretty mm-hmm. much lived in harmony with nature, but as I was growing up, I could see that things uh, primarily you know, environmental scenario in my uh, hometown was changing very you know rapidly, the rivers, uh, the, the fish diversity in the rivers, the local forest mm-hmm. and vegetation types and everything and you know the local wildlife as well were uh, were suffering a lot you know as uh, the sprawl was increasing the urbanization was catching up uh, with the with the road access and you know increasing infrastructures and so on and so forth so that used to bother me early you know early on as well i did not like uh, that kind of change you know while we really longed for for the aspect of development that actually can enhance uh, human welfare but at the same time the changing scenario used to bother me a lot and uh, that's what basically prompted me to uh, to look after, you know, to try to, to do whatever I could from my own level from very uh, early age. But uh, also one of my, uh, you know, story that usually, you know, like uh, sells is the fact that when I was six or seven years old, I got this, uh, and I had access to this book, which was, again, a miracle. And it's a, it's a long story. But where I got mm. to read about Dr. Jane Goodall. Dr. Jane Goodall, you know, with this photo, captivating photo of Jane Goodall uh, with uh, with few chimpanzees in that frame. It uh, it was you know like really uh, mesmerizing and at the same time mm-hmm. it was kind of provoking as well and I used to wonder what what is this person doing there you know with the with the, with the wildlife and was
0: that in uh, Nepalese language or, yeah, or no, this,
1: was, this was actually an American textbook I, I think it was oh. like sixth, sixth grader uh, or third oh sixth grade,
0: grade. yeah so yeah. Uh, you're uh, like twelve or something
1: grade. that was yeah. donated uh, by a book donating agency mm-hmm. from New York uh, to wow. a charity school that my dad was running in my, in my village. So I used to just basically flip through the pages I could not read and uh, someone actually, I remember someone read it for me when I asked them, you know, after I was intrigued by the picture, so they mm-hmm. explained to me what was going on and since that moment, I kind of, uh, you know, vowed that I would, I, and I, I want to do exactly the same thing that Jane girl, you know, this lady is, uh, <laughs> is doing that picture. So that was like a very eye-opening thing for me to to know that there are people that I wasn't crazy wanting to be with animals or even you know, like do the, the sort of thing that I used to imagine uh, to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, not only that people uh, do these kind of things, but it was highly respectable as well. Why else would people be reading about books otherwise? Yeah. So since then, I just you know started uh, creating groups and then formalizing the groups. You know, like basically institutionalizing uh, things that we're doing, even from the school level. So um, then, you know, like uh, when I was in high school, I created this uh, nonprofit and and then got uh, Jane Goodall's and then approached. My first ever email was for you. Yeah,
0: I remember that story. That's so, that's so amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, basically, that just led, and one thing led to another. And since 2002, I became the country coordinator of Roots and Suits, which is the global youth program of Jane Goodall Institute. And then 2005, I hosted Jane mm-hmm. Goodall uh, for the first time in Nepal. And then 2013, we we set up Jane Goodall Institute in Nepal, and, uh, and I was the executive director for until you know recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now I run independent uh, conservation projects as well as uh, a few uh, social and environmental enterprise uh, that has Sweet. a lot to community empowerment together with conservation.
0: Well, yeah, we'll get at the end. I want to go into some of those projects that you've you know you've turned to um, recently, but. As far as the rewilding topic I mean it's it's kind of I think it's romanticized by people you know they want to just like release the the land back into the you know the the wild's natural state but you have you know I know you're one of your main, you know your primary focus foci is um, the community-based aspect and factoring in the human communities to this process. So t- tell us a little, you know, maybe a little bit of a definition of the kind of understanding of what rewilding is, and then your take on it and what you're doing in in your. Well, I mean,
1: again, you know, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, cause any controversies here by <laughs> you know, bringing in my own version of, you know, and understanding of, uh, of rewilding. But rewilding might actually mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, uh, no offense to the to the you know uh, classic uh, definition of uh, rewilding as uh, held by you know certain leading experts, some of who used to be my professors uh, at Oxford as well. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the idea is that humanity has meddled with the with the natural landscape and 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 uh, you know uh, biotic and abiotic factors within the landscape and the intricate web uh, of you know uh, nature that exists in, within those uh, landscapes. And uh, particularly in the West, you know, like with the early uh, industrialization as compared to the rest of the world, and there was a significant uh, impact on this landscape, uh, you know, in, in in the West caused by mm-hmm. the mass scale uh, consumption of of natural products, like your forests were cleared out, logged, and uh, you know, and uh, in, intensive agriculture. You know, like uh, massive scale commercialization of agricultural uh, products, as well and so on and so forth. So that has meddled with the natural landscape to a huge extent, and uh, and hence, you know, like the, the the environmental consequences and repercussions that we've been uh, that we've been facing um, as 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 a result, that became the uh, you know triggering factor behind the, the ideas and concepts and notions of uh, of what uh, rewilding. Um, you
0: know uh mm. he is oops we have we have uh lost him i think the factor of of uh, uncertain internet in Kathmandu, but we will uh, hopefully he'll pop back on and i think we have him now uh, <laughs> hi Manoj.
1: <laughs> um yeah, yeah so I-, I-,
0: I heard it sort of gearing up as it was beeping and then you
1: know. yeah yeah but um, so, so basically as I was uh, uh, going on about the about the you know uh, concept of uh, rewilding so that, that that became the triggering factor uh, you know uh, to mm-hmm. the realization that uh, maybe the meddling maybe the humanities meddling with the with the natural landscape has exceeded a, a, you know a basic threshold. Um, and hence came the idea of uh, giving, you know, these natural landscapes a, a chance so that we as humanity, uh, you know, can, can you know, create a chance for ourselves as well and, our, and our, for our future generations as well. Yeah. So the idea is basically to let the, primarily to let the nature, uh, you know, um, take its course, because as we know, nature is one of the most resilient uh, forces um around us and it can heal itself you know if 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 we just basically leave it alone for a while but also the damage done to the to the wild landscape um some of the damages are you know have been basically irreparable or irreversible as well to a certain extent Mm -hmm. uh locally speaking and uh, some species have gone extinct um some for you know centuries others you know fairly recently so as part of rewilding the idea is the ecological, environmental uh, integrity of that landscape needs to be revived as well. So in many uh, possible you know, uh, circumstances, uh, many species are being reintroduced, uh, many ecosystems um, and, and ecological regimes uh, are also you know, trying to... You know, basically, experts are working on uh, reinstating them, giving them a, uh, giving them a chance. Uh, in other cases, uh, particularly in some cases of Europe, we've seen that the there, there's no uh, you know there, there's no nearest uh, relatives of those species that could be brought you know brought in like aurochs, for example in, in in Europe that used to be large cattle species wild now uh, with, with genes yeah. exactly. so like mm-hmm. now with the, with the help of gene science and genetic science and, and mm-hmm. so on and so on uh, people are trying to uh, you know go back uh you know like the, the, the basically reversal process of the selective breeding uh, and so on and so forth to to get to the closest uh you know specimen pro, the specimen closest to the to the ex, ex, you know in extinct uh species yeah. and in other cases like uh, in case of beavers, wolves, lynx and you know there, there, there are many uh, examples that I could give. Uh, That is the model or, you know, like general practice of rewilding as we see. And also in the same with the vegetation types and, and, uh, you know, course correction in so many different layers uh, in in terms of, you know, like uh, in the quest of reinstating that that the same ecological integrity as uh, natural and as authentic as possible. In our context, in many of the third world uh, countries or, you know, like least developed countries where industrialization uh, has not had that kind of, you know, like uh, impact. Um, uh, I mean, we, we're just working in the in the domain of basically bringing back the population because the population has not gone extinct uh, necessarily, but it has been extirpated to uh, in a significant number. So we're working really hard on uh, on reviving the numbers. Like, and you know, you're doing
0: were... some work with the rhinos, right? Or...
1: Uh, absolutely. So in in, in yeah. Nepal. Basically, we you know with the rise of population and uh, and with the eradication of malaria, particularly in the in the in the down south, like southern plains, that we know mm-hmm. as Terai, um, you know forests were cleared out. Uh, the DDT had its you know impact, positive and negative, of course. Mm-hmm uh and the mosquitoes were in like mal- malaria was pretty much eradicated and then the population boomed because you know like there was migration and then the population was mm-hmm. you know like the mortality rate decreased as well so mm-hmm. a longer lifespan so everything basically you know has uh, acted as an in, in a cumulative manner and the population boom was you know putting a huge pressure on the local natural resources and the landscape itself so uh that ended up you know like uh, in in serious extirpation of species like tigers rhinos mm-hmm. uh and, 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 uh, the conflict with the, with the existing species like elephants that need you know like a, a wide range of habitat uh to to survive um sure. that, that also you know started coming up basically so uh since then nepal has done pretty good actually considering that it's one of the you know uh poorest countries in the world very you know politically unstable. there are many challenges on the human front as well so it, it uh the, the way Nepal's government has actually shown commitment uh setting mm-hmm. aside more percentage of the land mass uh in the form of protected areas as national parks and reserves and conservation areas and so on and so forth and then plus 15 percent little more than 15 percent of the total land mass is uh basically community forest which again is uh that's that's a
0: significant amount of land yeah that is absolutely
1: that we still import much of our food even mm -hmm. being an agrarian you know uh country
0: tell me um you know you hear a lot in the west about tigers you know and we're going to like double the amount of tigers and i know you have feelings about these kind of disproportionate emphasis on a kind of a sexy animal like the tiger you know it's just like you want to talk a little bit about that they kind of the the need for balance i guess and
1: in... yeah i mean again it is something of being a conservationist this is a this is a, a topic that i feel the need to basically walk on a tightrope every time I talk about it but then <laughs> at the same time it is my it is my duty uh, as a humanitarian and as a conservationist to basically highlight where I believe we should not go wrong while trying to prop up the numbers of seriously or severely extirpated uh, species like tigers and rhinos and so on and so forth because uh, unlike in in the real wilderness in you know, a scenario like talk about Siberia or you know or uh, you know Al- Alaskan vastness you know, for your uh, for better reference, I mean, <clears throat> South Asia has always been, uh, you know, Nepal lies in the heart of South Asia. South Asia has always been, you know, as far as you can, uh, you know, civilization history goes. Like even fourteen thousand years ago, South Asia has always been the most densely populated area in the world. And, so, and has,
0: South has, Asia? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, and it has only it has only increased. Basically, you know, when I say South Asia, it's uh, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Bhutan, mm-hmm. Nepal. You know, like so, you know, Pakistan. You can you can imagine that uh, massive population load in one particular area. Basically, I think it's uh, it's three point four percent or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's very small, you know, proportion of land mass globally. Uh, comparing, you know, but then it's significant population living within that, you know, like uh, limited land mass. So it, there's a huge pressure from from humanity's side on the on the local natural resources, and uh, and uh, hence the threat is uh, is pretty imminent. You know, like it, it's pretty valid threat that exists against the you know, natural landscape and the and the species as well. But at the same time, again, considering we have always lived you know, together with the tigers, all, we have always lived together with rhinos and and, and uh, elephants. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go in uh, basically uh, indiscriminate, uh, uh, you know, series of, you know, attempts to basically focus on one particular species, uh, that is uh, then, you know, that creates a situation where uh, because, again, you know, like we haven't been able to champion ways of uh, reducing, mitigating, forget about, you know, completely eradicating the chances of, you know, like uh, mishaps caused by human wildlife conflict. We haven't even, you know, basically been able to reduce the number of, uh, you know, uh, deaths, say, for example, which is the ultimate, you know, scenario of a human wildlife conflict situation. Forget about, you know, all the crop damages, property damages, you know, that can be...
0: Uh... You, I'm sorry, you. I didn't hear that correct. You said you have not been able to,
1: or... We have not been able to, exactly. No, now, right. I mean mm-hmm. conservation as conservationists, as managers yeah. of landscape sure. uh, managers of conservation initiatives, we have not been able to champion uh, you know uh, mitigation of, of this, let alone erad- mm-hmm. you know, eradicating uh, the, the chances of conflict altogether. So in that scenario, if we go on indiscriminately increasing one particular species, especially you know, like a a predator species, you know, like a tiger. Uh, then obviously we are going to create a hazard, you know, like this is basically a, yeah. a threat to the local population. So yeah. who has the mandate and who has the agency? You know, like it seems like the mandate is to, you know, to the authorities and to, you know, like big organizations, donor agencies and so on and so forth, the mm-hmm. institution of conservation, the establishment of, of conservation. And now it, it it kind of creates a scenario where, uh, you know, uh, these institutions are not, in lieu with the with the local communities, because the, now the local communities are, are paying with their lives. So yeah. what is the point of uh, you know a, a, a conservation achievement or conservation success, so called, where you are basically creating a, a scenario where local people are being you know like killed left and right because uh, because of your uh, you know uh, impulsive idea of doubling the number of tigers. <laughs> if just tigers. Then yeah. you're not really, this is not only this normally has a tendency to. Uh, to prove itself as an anti-humanitarian initiative. In the long mm-hmm. run, it also proves to be, uh, it is inevitably going to prove uh, to be an anti-ecological and anti-environmental initiative. That is where my concern lies, basically.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I know from, I visited you over there, and I know from observing you uh, um, over the years, uh, it's not just the tigers and the big animals and the, it's like the little insects. It's the snakes. It's you know the the trees. It's just all so interconnected, and um, you know people don't like insects, but don't get rid of them.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's it's everything is interconnected, like you said. You know interconnectedness is the. Is the I think you know, like if if you if you were to explain or if you were to make it as comprehensible as pop, as possible to anybody, what conservation yeah. is all about, it is about the interconnectedness, you know, because everything functions in a web, you know, in a very intricate, complex, and yet vulnerable, uh, and very sensitive, you know, uh, web of uh, of so many different things, you know, like many things beyond our capacity. I mean, humanity yeah. likes to boast about science, and you know our uh, capabilities that uh, that you know have enhanced or uh, in in the past couple of centuries, but there's so much that we still don't know about, and uh, everything is equally important. You know, like so, how can you just basically think about uh, prey species in you know, one species mm-hmm. of you know, ungulate, which is axis axis, the, the spotted deer, you know, we call yeah. it chital deer locally. So chital mm-hmm. deer you know, can uh, have proven you know themselves to be a fast breeder and fast you know like uh, growing uh, deer, quite a, quite a resilient uh, species. You know, like, so we basically created very favorable condition by adding water holes, by adding, you know, like uh, more grassland and, and burning, in, you know, the grassland uh, more pre- periodically just to make sure that, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. water is available, grazing spots are, are available for this and significantly increasing the prey uh, base. We have been able to prop the number of tigers. Now, what happens to other ungulates when one particular species, you know, when we create the habitat so favorable for one particular species of ungulates, then Definitely, the you know other populations are going to suffer because you know they'll get dominated, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, overshadowed by one particular uh, dominant species. So and then you know same happens we, within the predators, uh, you know, uh, domain as well. I mean, what what's happening with the leopards? What's happening with uh, with other carnivores? You know, mm-hmm. could be so many of them. Like well, just
0: before we go on to some of your current projects, I just wanted to just ask you if do you feel like, you know public opinion official opinion official policy is moving in the right direction on creating this balance for humans wildlife predators insects whatever do you feel like that is i mean i, I mean it would well, it's uh, easy to be discouraged i think but
1: it yeah. it is but at the same time again you know like my my take in this is and I understand why there is this, you know, this pressure, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. because conservationists, you know, like are in a very difficult, you know, it's a very difficult job, you know, like in today's world, being a conservationist, because in one hand, what you see is everything is basically doom and gloom, you know, like capitalism's really <laughs> churning and turning and churning and, and turning and turning. And as it moves with every single inch, it treads on on these valuable, you know, uh, planetary assets. So... Mm-hmm. So in one hand, there's this sense of like real sense of urgency and, you know, like the, 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 the realization of the threat and, and so on and so forth. And then efficiency becomes, you know, like how can we be more efficient in being able to make larger mass of people understand, you know, what, what is at stake and what needs to be done and where things are at. So there's that, you know, like real sense of urgency and desperation. And the other, other side of things is what tools are, you know, then the ideological things come in. Because you know that if you go cheap, if you go cheap way, you know, like fast, quick uh, return uh, you know, approach, then in the long run, it's going to it's going to slap you. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. sl- yeah. kick you in the butt. You know, the tiger uh, story is, is, is a great story because over the past however many decades, slowly it has taken so many paradigm shifts and so many discourses, uh, narratives, changes and this and that and generations basically to of local communities from being evicted from you know what are now uh these protected landscapes in the form of national parks and so on and so forth people have sacrificed you know like the entire civilization has uh sacrificed local indigenous people have you know had to compromise yeah. with indigeneity and their ways of uh, of life and, and, and faith and belief and attitudes and perception and whatnot and now what's happening is basically slowly what they did was they compromised they they basically you know like uh well, I don't want to use the word brainwashed, but they, they were, you know, like it worked on them. You know, like it worked. Mm-hmm. the ideas worked on them. And then now they have become a strong partner in conservation. You know, like from uh, what yeah. we saw, the rampant poaching immediately stopped. You know, like the National Park was always there. The authorities were always there. Army, boots mm-hmm. on the ground. They were always there to protect, you know, uh, the, the, the species and the landscape. But what has changed in the recent, you know, a couple of decades, a decade and a half or so, that the community became you know like came uh, into their role and since then significant you know like uh achievement has uh, has happened uh in the form of uh you know like zero poaching years that we have you know consecutively Mm -hmm. uh uh celebrated all enabled by the local communities and when you push the revival of the of the of, of certain species you know focusing on one particular species then the conflict. Because now people are paying with their lives. So now everybody, anybody with a common sense, little even a little bit of common sense, asks this question, like, what did we do that for? You know, like, if we we're going to jeopardize our kids' life and our parents' lives or our own lives, then what What? What was that all about? You know, like, there's yeah. no reward, but now punishment for, you know, for being an excellent uh, conservationist, uh, even though, you know, like, there were every you know aspect of their life was compromised, you know. Uh, yeah, and then there's,
0: in your country, and of- many countries, there's the religious traditions that have impacted um like the snake charmers and the animal sacrifice and things like that it,
1: it, exactly uh, i mean it, it comes in in both ways actually it comes in a harmful yeah. way uh but it comes in a in a in a very uh protective way as well you know like i mean uh majority of uh, nepalese people are yeah either hindus or buddhists majorly i mean we're, we're mm-hmm. a secular nation now, and, uh you know like there's a very like Nepal is one of those countries where you know religious harmony is like real, real solid. Uh, but you know Hinduism is very pro-conservation. You know uh, religion. Yeah, you know, we worship plants, we worship animals, and there's reverence. You know, is the word reverence right. to right. almost every single animal. You know, like there's God in every single animal, every single being, and and so on and so forth. And that comes really handy as well. But what what about the the the, the reward? You know, like and hence there was a very sustainable, very organic and inherent way of, uh, of keeping a balance, you know, if the, if the local Mm -hmm. ways where, you
0: know, we're
1: trying to play God and then, you know, brings their modern (laughs) science and this and that. And then, you know, basically steals that agency and authority uh, about conservation decision-making and then comes up with these very impulsive ideas. Then that basically creates a conflict situation, not only between the, you know, human and wildlife, but also, uh, among the local communities and the general idea about the conservation. So I, what yes. I see is it has jeopardized, uh, you know, decades of work of you know like uh, conservation uh, leaders from uh, you know from uh, older generations because of this kind of you know like in, impulsive actions. But then at the same time, we 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 need to uh, that is the role of our generation, uh, you know, uh, conservationists that uh, we cannot uh, bring in colonial uh, ideas. We cannot be over imposing. What we need to do is we need to find every single friend that there is whether you know we see that in, in in form of humans uh in communities or uh in terms of beliefs and and right. practices. we need right. to devise we basically the idea is reviving the old ways of uh, conservation and then yeah. also uh, uh sorry uh reviving the in you know, old ways of uh, conservation and then uh and then devising uh the new you know so basically west meets east or old meets new new but, yeah okay, always, well
0: this is i mean this is uh really um admirable work that you're doing i mean it's it's a huge it's a huge uh the, the enormity of it is mind-boggling but i guess you have to do you know one thing at a time one step at a time um i know that uh so we have your uh, author website we have some books in development so this is managegotam.com and this is uh we have a news news section and the books uh, are detailed here we're doing uh, some really interesting ones but tell me a little bit about the other things you've done since you stepped down from uh, you know jgi uh, we have let's see was, i was i have some of the websites up bardia travel and uh Nepal conservation travel. travel and then the schools i'm not quite sure what that's uh, good for sustainable
1: development goals. Yeah, that is uh,
0: our, uh, sustainable uh, development goals. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, so those are the websites. And uh, you want to just spend a few minutes talking about some of those projects and what, what you've got yes. going on this spring yeah. and summer?
1: So ba- ba- basically, what we're trying to do is uh, mm-hmm. since I uh, stepped down from you know, uh, position of executive director at the Jangudu Institute Nepal, uh, some of the you know, independent projects that I've been developing, uh, basically, uh, you know, um, standing on, on business model. So yeah. what we're trying to do is basically the local people's achievement, uh, the lo- local community's conservation achievement need to be rewarded. And in Nepal, there are very fairly limited uh, opportunities, you know, like, uh, and, and, and options. And one of the best mm-hmm. options that is directly relatable with conservation and conservation achievements are uh, is uh, ecotourism, you know, like ecotourism in different, you know, like ecotourism, call it sustainable tourism or call it conservation-based tourism. Even And these people need to be rewarded, and that is uh, you know, that is something that I have uh, assigned myself with as a duty to basically bring in attention towards the the, uh, the achievements. Because one thing that we that global uh, you know uh, citizenry does is it just instantly, immediately, and as soon as they hear about some success story, then we move on to the problem. Area again another problem, uh-huh. before, even before even stabilizing the situation because you know like people work really hard and if they are not rewarded then the the, the situation is not stable you know like if we have not created a sustainably rewarding uh, mechanism for the good deed that the you know local community has uh, done they, for the blood and sweat that they've given for the sake of uh, conservation uh, I mean what is the what is the point in doubling what is the reward in doubling you know, like uh, and sacrificing in being able to you know double the uh, number of uh, of tigers in Nepal, if if, yeah. if they're not gonna you know get get any any rewards, then of course over time uh, they will only be lost, and then they will lose the motivation. So that is why uh, the the travel industry is uh, you know is one of the significant uh, domain mm-hmm. that we need to basically uh, exploit for the lack of words, better words, uh, or or basically harness for this uh, particular thing, bringing in uh, you know green economy to the to the to the lowest rung of the communities. Uh, that are actually now at the moment suffering yeah. because of local, you know the uh, conservation achievement and those achievements, in my eyes will not be achievement if the local people cannot be rewarded at the same time you know, like I mentioned a little tendency about how the global citizenry tends to uh, tends to think and act uh, that is why we need to I feel the need to educate our you know like upcoming generations of of global citizens uh, which yeah. is why the mm-hmm. sustainable development goals where what we do is basically we break down the idea of sustainable development goals into the, you know, very smallest, most comprehensible form of uh, issue and then interventions and the play, the dynamics, you know, and everything and so on and so forth for international school kids, local school kids, and so, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, do you
0: have some groups coming? I mean, I think you have a, a trip coming up in April, right? Is are you?
1: We have a trip coming up in April, late uh, May. Uh, and is then, that a school we, trip? or uh, well, not necessarily this time. is school trip, but we have uh, some uh, aligned in uh, November. Uh-huh. November. And so yeah, basically. So we're 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 getting uh, attention now. We're getting some uh, you know uh, traffic. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, and, yeah. and I'm very much uh, hopeful about this. And we have to do this. We have to make this uh, a success uh, for the sake of the wildlife, for the sake of the community, uh, for the sake of conservation, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, let's um, you know, let's keep. Uh, covering this, I'd love to do more of these talks with you. I know you're like <laughs> you're uh, like you're like the peregrine. You, <laughs> you're flying around trying to survey everything and take care of everything. But I, I'd love to get you know people sort of following uh, what you're doing there. And I had such an amazing time when I visited. You know, talk about conservation travel and. You know, really getting tuned in to to the uh, environment over there was just amazing. So thank you again for that. that it was
1: it was a lot of fun for us as well. It was yeah. so
0: great, and, uh, and, and my, I live vicariously
1: and bring- now. I live vicariously because you know, like I've spent decades, <laughs> you know, in in the wilderness, and yeah. now that, that very initial th- thrill, you know, of being in that in that kind of situation where you were. Getting to mingle with the with the local indigenous people, they're oh, they welcoming sure. you in their in their lifestyle and everything. Now I live vicariously, you know, through visitors, yeah. whether it's a small you know school kid or you know a, a retiree coming in yeah. and like seeing it. So I, I so enjoy by, by being able to you know open the doors for them. If to, if
0: somebody wants people. to come and you know do that kind of a trip, um, <clears throat> would one of these websites, like Nepal Conservation Travel dot travel or Bardia travel, would those be and,
1: any of those, any of those. Yeah. Basically, okay. it, will just, uh, it will just lead to the same, you know, like basically these are different uh, travel mm-hmm. portals targeting different kind of audiences and, sure. and yeah. offering different kind of uh, packages, but they all uh, basically lead to us. So, you know, like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, anybody who uh, makes an approach gets to, you know, interact with us and then we will, uh, we, we can always, you know. Uh, Wonderful. Uh, and then
0: guests. the educators can contact this school's
1: absolutely okay. yeah. yeah yeah
0: well thank you so much i just can't believe that we caught up with you in your in your, uh fast-paced life <laughs> but uh we'll we'll schedule another one and you know let me know what you'd like to to talk about i you know i think we've just barely scratched the surface on these topics so,
1: absolutely um, I, I love doing this and thank you for uh, all right having me. you're welcome
0: it's it was a pleasure so, at uh, manojgotam.com, you can read all about this um, this uh, topic and you can see the replay. We'll also put this on our um, podcast apps, so all the major podcast apps will will have the audio. Thank you, Manoj. Thank you so much. Bye. Cheers. We'll wrap it up.